start out the show. What is up? Welcome to the Regulators Podcast. I am your host, Waldo. So blessed and thankful. Uh, happy to have you guys here for another week. As always, 40 countries and counting continues to humble me. Uh, it's been a little bit of a crazy week, uh, at least for the off season. Uh, got some things I want to talk about. And then we are going to get into our 10 commandments of fantasy football. So this is something we kind of touch on every single year. We modify and adjust a little bit here and there. But overall, these are the 10 commandments of fantasy football that we think will help you in your fantasy football adventures moving forward. So before we get to any of that, we do have some news nuggets, some things going on that I definitely want to talk about. So let's get right into it. So right out the gate, got to acknowledge Fitzmagic. Fitzy is retiring, and that's going to be official. Um, you know, he he had an amazing run. To be a seventh-round pick out of Harvard, no less, um, and to have the career that Ryan Fitzpatrick did, 34,990 passing yards, 223 touchdowns. It's just been a hell of a run for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I was really excited to see what he could have done in Washington. I know a lot of people kind of wanted him to hang around in Miami and not, you know, take the bench role as early as he did. Um, But overall, just a tremendous career and we're going to miss the beard. But the good news is we may not have to miss him all that much. There are rumors out there that he is already in deep talks with Amazon. As you know, Amazon has taken over the Thursday night football uh, broadcasting, and so he could possibly be an asset for Amazon in the very near future. So that would be great uh, to see Ryan Fitzpatrick and get some of his personality on primetime television. So in addition to that, another great legend that is leaving us is Frank Gore. So he's actually signing a one-day contract to retire a San Francisco 49er. He's always considered himself, you know, in his heart to be a San Francisco 49er. 12 consecutive seasons, he had 1,200 yards rushing or more. That's the most in NFL history. He's got the third all-time most rushing yards in NFL history, Frank Gore is a legend, and I really, I really thought, I think there was some of us who, who were really hoping that he would get to play with his son, because Frank Gore is like the Paul Rudd of the NFL, he just doesn't age, and it would have been so awesome to see him in the same backfield as his son, who is in college now, but either way, hats off to both Ryan Fitzpatrick and Frank Gore on tremendous careers, and... I look forward to seeing what they do next. Speaking of the 49ers, Alex Mack, uh, center for the 49ers, also retiring. He he was, this past year, he was with the 49ers, but previously he was with Atlanta, he was with Cleveland, and seven-time pro bowler, hell of a career for him as well. He's also hanging it up. Now, in other news, non-retirement news, The L.A. Rams say that their fifth-round pick, Kyron Williams, out of Notre Dame, broke his foot but should be back 
early in training camp. And, you know, we're starting to see some of these injuries already, which you hate. But I was having an interesting conversation with a friend about how a broken foot sometimes is the best thing that could happen to you when you when you get hurt and you find out what it is. You know, you see people go down with ACL injuries. You see people go down with these injuries that take them a year plus to try to recover from. Whereas someone breaks a foot and they're like, yeah, he'll be back for training camp, which whether he will or will not and at what percent remains to be seen. But you have seen people all the time in the NFL where they break a bone month later, they're getting ready to play some football. So it's very interesting just kind of how that works out. But, you know, medical science and all that stuff. But hopefully, you know, wish him a speedy recovery. Obviously, as a rookie, you hate to see that. But moving around the rest of the league, some cool news for Jets fans, which, you know, isn't every day. But Darrell Revis, Nick Mangold, and Debrickashaw Ferguson will be inducted into the Jets' ring of fame this season, uh, their ring of honor that they have there. So, you know, they'll be honored individually at specific games yet to be determined, but some good news for those guys a uh, hell of a bunch of players so you know excited to see them get their due i'm sure jets fans will be hyped for that now speaking of getting hype aaron fucking donald my man secured the bag so aaron donald had three years left on his current contract and he just got a massive pay raise so there's no new years being added to his contract, but he's getting an extra $40 million, including $65 million over the next two years when you combine all of the money, uh, and an option for him to either retire or come back in 2024 for a guaranteed $30 million. So he is now the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history, and the guy's a human cheat code. You watch his tape, like you break it down, and even when he doesn't get the sack, even when he doesn't get the tackle, he's affecting the entire play, <laughs> like on every down. And you see sometimes where he's double teamed and he just pushes people back. He just manhandles people and he gets through them. And it's just like, it's fucking crazy. I mean, that is a lot of money for one player, especially a non-quarterback player, but you pay that man. I mean, that that guy literally helped secure the bag and got you the fucking Super Bowl, you know, back-to-back plays at the end of the Super Bowl, and he was there, and you look at his body of work and what he does, and good for him, man. Like, awesome, awesome news for Aaron Donald. And speaking about, you know, congratulations to people in the Rams organization, congrats to Sean McVay on his wedding to an absolute smoke show this past week. So I think they've been together like almost a decade. So for those of you who think, you know, oh, she just showed up to secure the bag. Listen, they met when she was in college and he was like a tight ends coach in Washington. Okay. He wasn't the household name that he is now. Um, so he won the Super Bowl in February, married the love of my life. Excuse me. I'm sorry. The love of his life uh, a few months later. But one time for my L.A. sisters, mazel tov for the happy couple. Really awesome news. Um, and then moving over to the AFC, let's talk about Dearness Johnson. So not quite the bag that Aaron Donald got. 
He reached an agreement with the Browns on a one-year deal worth up to $2.4 million, including a little over 900 k in guaranteed money. So honestly, I think that's chump change for a dynamic player. I think anybody who played fantasy saw what this guy kind of brought to the table last year. And you know you've got Hunt and Chubb. Those guys are there. They had some injury issues last season. But when you have to turn to this guy... I mean, hell, it's plug and play. Like this, this guy is a very good running back in the backfield. So, great deal for the Browns in sewing him up. Uh, as I was researching some things with the Browns this week, something caught my eye that just kind of surprised me a little bit. So, the Browns are the only team in the NFL to have never had a 100 catch receiver in a season. So. 31 out of 32 teams have had a wide receiver with 100 catches in a season. The Browns have never had it happen. Um, The franchise leader in catches in a season are Kellen Winslow and Ozzie Newsome twice. So tight ends. Like, that's it. And I want to say it was like 89 or 87 or something like that. So... Browns have never had a 100-catch receiver. I think that they could definitely have that this season if Deshaun Watson was on the field, is on the field, remains to be seen. Uh, And we'll come back to that in a second. But in other news, Kyle Shanahan says that the San Francisco 49ers are expected to release D. Ford, which will leave over $14 million in dead cap over the next two years. So this is why we talk about all the time about dead contracts. Like, you're trying to tell me you can't improve your team with an extra $7 million a year? You can't retain a player that might have left in free agency or you might be able to upgrade at a different position? And that's just an example of one person, one situation. So we talk about these teams who get in cap trouble and kick it down the road, kick it down the road, kick it down the road, and then you end up in these situations where you cut a guy and you're on the hook for a lot of money, or you end up with these veterans who you have to overpay because what it would cost you to cut them, get a younger, possibly better player, would cost you way too much money versus just keeping the veteran you have. So D. Ford will be released according to Kyle Shanahan, but it it sucks they got to kind of bite the bullet with uh with the dead cat money i always hate to see dead cat money it's like it just sucks anyways uh bill's linebacker andre smith has been suspended six games for peds and that's uh that sucks for buffalo bills fans i feel like this show is going bad i don't think i'm drunk enough i don't know what it is man it's been a weird week i stubbed my toe at the beginning of the show And it just threw me the fuck off. And like I said, I don't think I'm nearly drunk enough. But listen, it's the middle of the offseason. We've got like, what, I I think 60 days, not even 60 days to the Hall of Fame game. Football's less than two months away. Like, let's go. Let's fucking go. We're going to muscle through this together. And I promise you the show, I mean, it can only go up from here, right? Like, I don't know. You guys got to tell me on Twitter. Like, I... 
I try to include these little news nuggets and everything because I know we're busy and there's a lot of things going on. So if people miss stuff during the week, I want to talk about it. I want to mention it. But it's not where I'm passionate about. It's not It's not the stuff I really want to get into, like the fantasy commandments or you know what I think about some bullshit, which there is some bullshit we're going to talk about in a minute. But I just I like to keep you guys informed. But if you have Twitter, if you have social media, you're probably informed. So maybe I don't need to go over recent news unless there's something I really want to talk about. So I don't know. It's your show. This is here for you guys. So you let me fucking know. I don't know. But let's talk about some of the bullshit. So one of the things that I saw last week before the New York Times article, before everything else, is I saw this article that said, you know, Deshaun Watson having a tough day at, you know, OTAs, you know had some incompletions and an interception in seven-on-seven drills. Oh, my God. Really? He threw an interception in practice? Practice? We're talking about practice, y'all. Like, really? Really? Like, this shit is so stupid. I know it's the off-season. I know it's hard to, like, you're pulling at threads for content. But you know what? I do not have a billion-dollar organization behind me. I don't have the time to, you know, quit all my other projects that I have in my regular workflow so that I can sit all day and write articles and deep dive into stats and come up with really good things. You know, I, I, I try my best, you know, but if I did, if I had those resources, I guarantee I could come up with some shit to talk about other than somebody threw an interception in seven on seven. You're talking about the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. In NFL history, like we can argue about whether he's like sketchy or like a creeper, or has some weird things going on in his personal life, but like he's the most accurate passer in NFL history, bar none. And like the guy's a beast on the football field. And you're talking about he had some incompletions and an interception and seven on seven drills in OTAs. Like, fucking come on, bro. And this isn't just a Deshaun Watson thing. This is like, I see this shit all the time. Like, especially beat writers are the worst this time of year. Everything is, you know, whatever quarterback, you know, threw an interception in practice or a wide receiver dropped three balls, you know, this week in practice or, you know, what? like it's just always some shit. And it's like, listen, man, like I I, I get it. Like it's it is the off season. You're grasping at straws. It's it's tough to find things, but like come on, like be better than the gap. Be better than the gap. Like it like you're better than this. You're an actual journalist who gets paid for a living to come up with meaningful like substance to provide you list. listen. I get it. So for those who don't know, and this is where it gets kind of it's whatever, but when Reporters, when the media is allowed to be at practice, there are certain sets of rules that come with being at practice. For example, they are not allowed to disclose to the public what type of formations are being run in what situations. and the, Basically, the game planning type stuff that is starting to be installed and run by the team. The team really doesn't want that information leaking out for obvious reasons. So a beat writer can't write an article saying, hey, the Bengals ran 90% of practice 
in the shotgun formation or this week they were in you know whatever formation they had trips left you know more than this and this wide receiver was lined up in the backfield several times you know, like like they flirt with that line a lot and they know what they can and they can't say and some have gotten in trouble trust me um but for the most part they really can't you know give you true x's and o's during practice and things like that but they they can get creative and if there's not a storyline there and you just work for a paper or an outlet who sent you there to sit and watch practice for a couple hours and you really don't have anything there that you can write about other than who picked the music today and you know which which coach you know got in somebody's ass or whatever like like then I'm, I'm sorry like that's your assignment for today like i don't know ha- have other backup shit to send in like but this 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 bullshit of like somebody threw an interception or dropped a pass and fucking seven on seven drills like this is stupid this is not journalism this is this is like it's it's not even clickbait because it, it it's not even that good at clickbait you know what i mean like it's just who cares who the fuck cares like i don't do you do you got like i don't i don't care that quarterback threw an interception in practice i don't care that somebody dropped a ball i don't think like you're you're not gonna sit there week 11 and go oh you know what jim johnson was on to something he told us that receiver in that one practice he dropped two balls i knew he wasn't gonna be there in the clutch situations like fucking come on come off it like this is bullshit so beat riders be better than the gap and to some of the outlets that employ these hacks, like, come on, like, some of you are full clickbait. Some of you are full clickbait. And you put that shit out there with no shame, and you know what it is, but you know it gets a clicks. So you know you, you can sell your advertisements and get your Google AdWords and all your bullshit, but you know who you are. I can respect somebody who's self-aware. But these other people who perpetuate this myth that they're like a real journalism outfit, and then they let their writers do shit like that, like, Come on, man. Be better than the gap. So, having said that, um, did anybody watch the match? The the golf thing that they had with Mahomes and Rodgers and Brady and Allen? I thought it was pretty good. You know, I, wa- I watch it most years. Um, I always, I, I'm not watching for the golf, you know. I'm, I'm purely watching for the entertainment value of watching Tom Brady talk shit to everybody for couple of hours and seeing how it all goes like it's it's fantastic and brady doesn't even care how bad he plays he's just gonna talk shit to you i thought it was hilarious that josh allen had a ball with uh, tom brady's combine picture on it that was uh that was nice work but a couple of notes you know i think mahomes started playing well after his fourth beer not well enough they eventually uh, lost on a putt by Aaron Rodgers to seal the win. But it went back and forth for a while, so at least it was kind of entertaining. But I do have to say, man, <laughs> some of their golf was yikes. Like, it it made me feel better about my golf game. I'm not going to lie. Like, it made me go, huh, all right. At least I, I, I don't do this on national TV in front of the world. Like, I mean, there, there were times <laughs> where... 
Brady, I think, almost decapitated somebody. And then on the very next uh, hole, or it might have even been the same hole, Josh Allen actually hit a guy uh, right in the hands. I mean, that's what Josh Allen does. Um, but... It was there was there was some there was some good shots and there was there was a lot of not very good golf and I'm I'm being very kind by saying that and then what always gets me is the people yelling all kinds of weird shit like everybody's quiet and then all of a sudden Brady hits one off the tee and someone yells expecto patronum I'm like who the fuck let Harry Potter into the golf match like what is this shit like people are just yelling. All kinds of random shit, but it was enjoyable. I don't know if you guys enjoyed it as much as I did, but you know, like I said, it's off season. We're we're trying to make it through, so I rather enjoyed it. Now, something that is not going to be rather enjoyed is the House Oversight Committee has requested NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and Commanders owner Daniel Snyder to appear before the committee at a hearing June 22nd. So we will see how that goes. I mean, it it depends. Like, I really... Sometimes you get these hearings that are just answering bullshit questions and everything's vague and everything's whatever. And then you get these hearings where, like, Katie Porter's up there and she's, uh, she's not letting you off the hook like that. So I would be... I'm a tune-in. I'm going to tune in and I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see how Raj does. I think Raj will be cool as a cucumber under pressure. You know, I think he's going to be fine. Snyder, on the other hand, you know. And if you're curious as to why this is happening, allegedly, you know, there's two sides, the three sides to every story, right? There's this person's side, this person's side, and then there's in the middle. So according to the House Oversight Committee, they have requested all kinds of information from the NFL about all kinds of things surrounding the emails with Dan Snyder and the cheerleader scandal and sexual harassment and all kinds of things. And according to the House Oversight Committee, they've been basically rebuffed at every turn and the NFL has just basically given them busy work and not really complied with what they're asking. The NFL says, au contraire, mon frere, we have complied with everything. We have handled every request that you've asked of us and giving you all the information if the information you're looking for isn't there like i don't know what to tell you here's the whole case like we've done everything so we'll see you june 22nd bitch um so that's where it's at right now but could get interesting i uh for my money i just the there's there's a couple organizations that have some shady shit going on right now that just like i like i don't know i i struggle right because it's like roger goodell roger goodell's job his sole job is to protect the shield at all costs. That's his fucking job. Now, it's easy for us as outsiders to sit here and say, yeah, but, you know, you do the right thing and blah, blah, blah. And, and sure, like for the most part, if it's if it's something, you know, serious, then you should, you should do the right thing. You should absolutely do the right thing. But overall, when you're tasked with that job, if, like for anybody who's ever watched House of Cards, like Doug. Roger Goodell is Doug, right? Like he's going to sweep it under the rug. He's going to handle it. He's going to pay. He's, he's going to make sure that whatever is in the best interest of the NFL, and sometimes what's in the best interest of the NFL is leaking John Gruden emails. Like, 
you know, like, I'm, I'm not saying, did he do that? Did he not do that? I, I don't know. I'm just asking a question. But the point is, is he has to protect the NFL. And so while part of me wishes that a lot of these organizations would get exposed for a lot of the stuff that I know is going on inside the buildings, um, and I do, at the same time, I hope that it wouldn't tarnish the overall product because some of it could get to a degree where you know it really harms the NFL. Now, obviously, I want to be very clear. Doing the right thing is more important than, you know, will the NFL look bad? I want to be very clear on that. However, when I say, like, yeah, I'd really like a bunch of these assholes to get taken down a peg and some things to change, that could be a long change. That could be a, like, the, there might be a lot of things that would have to happen. Now, I don't think it'll ever get to that, and it'll, so, you know, it's not really worth talking about, so I'm not going to be that guy. But I'll be tuning in to see what happens with that whole House Oversight Committee. Now, let's get to the good part of the show. If you play fantasy football like I do, you know that it can be very difficult to find and to stay in or keep a good fantasy football league, right? So there's a lot of tiny nuanced things. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made that all play into a fantasy league ultimately succeeding. So no surprise to my listeners, I'm sure. I think I run one of the greatest football uh, fantasy football leagues that's out there. Maybe not in scale, uh, but I think I do a damn good job, and I think I'm a great commissioner. So I have put together this year's Ten Commandments for Fantasy Football. And you guys can hit us up and let me know if you agree or if you disagree. So here's your Ten Commandments. Commandment number one. Thou shalt limit the league to ten persons or less. I didn't stutter. Fuck your 16-team league. Okay? And I'm going to give you all the reasons why. Now, the best leagues, the true, the true best leagues, you, you, you want to show you're somebody? You want to show you're somebody? Put yourself in an eight-team league. Put yourself in an eight-team league, and I'm going to tell you why. All these people who say, yeah, but no, 16-team is, like, more intense because, like, you've got to find the sleepers and the sleeper sleepers, and you got to find this, and, you know, you're hoping that some fifth-string wide receiver gets two catches and nine yards, and that's going to get you to a win. But in reality, you know that I'm a numbers-based person. Right. Everybody who listens to this show understands that I'm about statistics, I'm about numbers, I'm about facts. Okay, so let's talk about facts. So the reality of the situation is that that person that you picked up who was like a fourth string running back and then there was a bunch of injuries and you're hoping that this guy, excuse me, just gets like three carries or four carries and he's going to break 11 yards and you're going to 
take that as an extra point or two in your league and that's going to help you win a game. That's not reality. That's not what's going to happen. Yes, if he gets into the end zone and happens to score a touchdown, maybe that helps you. But in reality, the only reason that you're using that guy is because even the backup scrubs that you had who were already second string either got hurt or the first string got hurt or something like that. So what you're doing is you're hurting the parity of the game. And what I mean by parity is there's a reason that the NFL has a salary cap. There's a reason that the L, the NFL has a draft that is in theory in reversed order of where you finished last season. Sure, you can trade those picks for assets and those picks have values. But same thing goes with the waiver wire. There's all kinds of rules that are set up in place because the league does better when most of the league is competitive. When every single year it's not just the same fucking four teams going to the championship games. And that's why the Patriots were such an anomaly. We've talked about it at length, like and I'm getting off on a tangent here, like but kids in Boston will never know how good they fucking had it because that run is unparalleled, especially in today's NFL. But the point is you want to make the league as competitive as possible. So this idea that okay, there's 16 of us playing Each of us probably has three solid good starters, and then we have maybe three to five number two fringe guys, and then we've got three guys that are solid backups, and then everything else is put this guy in and hope hope you get lucky. Like, that's all it is. And so what happens then is as injuries pile up over the season, as they do, your league is pure luck. All your fucking league boils down to in 16-man is is luck. Now, the only slight difference to that is if you're in a league with dipshits, so somehow in a 16-team league, your team is stacked because they don't know who any of these players are. They know, like, the top 10 names, and then that's it. They're out, so they got nothing. They don't even know who to pick up. They don't read any of the... uh, articles that are put out they don't research they don't know about these things so therefore you're able to get ahead and you have a stacked team in a 16 team league somehow but then you're not in a competitive league so being the biggest fish in a tiny pond like that doesn't mean anything you don't have a great league you have a league full of dipshits that you trick into giving you money every year that's what you have so when you have 10 or less especially if you can find and keep a good eight-team league like we have, you have stacked teams all around. When you, when you walk out of a draft after an eight- or a ten-team draft, you look at the board, and every single person looks at the board, and they're like, fuck, my team is stacked. Look at the guys I have. Like, this is amazing. Because... There's so much more to go around, which means even as injuries start to pile up and stuff, you can still be competitive. And then, of course, you're still going to have to work the waiver wires. You're still going to have to be smart. But your league is so much more competitive. 
And that's why, like, the league that I run, the first, shit, I think it was, like, seven years, first six or seven years, it was a different person who won every single year. And it was the same guys in the league, but it was a different person who won every single year, and that speaks to the parity of our league. We just finally, over the last couple years, had our first uh, two-time winners, so... I won for the second time, and then um, Sam won for the second time, my brother-in-law. And so, in general, though, it's a very competitive league, and you have guys who won the title the year before end up in last place, and vice versa. Snip, snap. Snip, snap. Snip, snap. So, thou shall limit the league at 10 people or less. I promise you this, oh, no, my league's better because, you know, I found this scrub off of a waiver wire in, in week seven who like nobody had heard of because he had three career catches and then he happened to go off one game and got me 15 points like you just got fucking lucky because a you only had to use him because the rest of your team was gone and you were still playing against someone who couldn't even beat your scrub list of roster that was so fucking bad you had to put in a guy with three career catches that's how bad your roster was, and that guy couldn't fucking beat you. So don't don't act like you put all that skill into a 16-man fucking league, okay? Like, you may, try, you may try. I'm not saying you don't try. But at the end of the day, that league is pure luck. And every league has a modicum of luck, right? Like, like that plays into it, of course. But when you start getting into, into those 16-team leagues, like, like 10, 10 or under, I promise you... you and, and listen, the only last caveat is people will say, yeah, but, you know, 16 teams, if everybody puts in 10 bucks, you know, that's 106, it's it's more money if you allow more play. No, just ask everybody to put in an extra $10, make it $20, or make it 40 or 50 or 100 like whatever. If you don't have people who want to up, then they're, they're, not, they're not the people for that league. So, but we'll come back to that. So, that's not a valid excuse. Like, it's not in any way, shape, or form. So, number one, thou shalt limit the league at 10 people or less. Commandment numero dos. Keep the veto option holy. And what I mean by this is the default settings on a lot of leagues is to allow players to vote to veto a trade. So everybody gets the notification, a trade has been accepted between Team A and Team B. You can click here to vote to allow the trade or to veto. And everybody goes on and they start fucking looking, right? Well, here's the problem with that. People are human beings. And they're going to feel some type of way no matter what. They're going to think it's sided towards one person or the other. And if that person's in first place... Or maybe they play that person next week or, you know, somebody who accepted that trade. Maybe they said, oh, well, I offered this person a trade. They declined it and then they accepted this asshole's trade instead. So I'm going to veto his trade because fuck him. Like, like it's fantasy and people just lose their mind. So reserve the veto option only for the commissioner. Your commissioner should be the only person who uses the veto option. And that commissioner should use that with extreme, extreme prejudice. Like, 
it has to be so bad that you're on the borderline of collusion where you're like, no, something's funny here. And if you have those feelings, then probably the people in your league shouldn't be in your league. Okay? So it's not just about money. Like my league has been going on for so many years that, I mean, we like the money. The the Don't get me wrong. The prize pool is great. But it's it's pride. It's pride. We want our name on that fucking trophy that goes around every year from person to person, and we want the fucking respect and the pride. So there's no way that we're going to take a dive, you know, in a bad trade deal. It's just, it's not going to happen. So keep the veto option holy. Reserve it only for the commissioners, and commissioners use that with extreme prejudice and, you know, make sure that, if, if you really got to veto a trade, then there's a really good reason for it. And that brings us to commandment number three. Thou shall not trust. So, there's no friends in fantasy. Just like Tom Hanks said, there's no crying in baseball. There's no friends in fantasy football. Like, there's there's just not. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't still be friends during the week and have conversations about things completely outside of fantasy football that's great but if you think you're gonna call me and text me and say hey i was thinking about you know picking up rondale Moore. what do you think and i'm like well maybe but look who they're playing that's a tough defense next week etc etc and then i put a waiver claim in for him because my waiver priority is higher than yours and i get him you can't be pissed off you literally, you, you can be, but you got, you got nothing. You got fucking nothing because you trusted and you were dumb. You were fucking dumb. Like, and so if you say, hey, I'm thinking about trading these two players to this other guy for these two players, what do I think? I'm going to do what's in the best interest of my team. If I think it's an amazing trade and you're going to get a leg up on me, I'm probably going to tell you it's a shit deal and you're being taken advantage of like because again i'm human too like but i'm self-aware hence why we put the thing as a commissioner and you know i i, I promise i i use that very very uh carefully and i can't even remember the last time i ever vetoed a trade um but i'm gonna do what's it i'm also a team owner so i'm gonna do what's in the best interest for my club and that means that not only will I tell you you're getting the shit end of a trade, that means I will go behind your back and I will text that other player you're trading with and saying, hey, uh, you know, is this player available? Because, you know, I, I got some people. Or sometimes I'll be sneaky about it. I'll just say, hey, I'm trying to offload a couple of my players who are decent. I don't have a specific player in mind. Who are you looking to get rid of? And they'll say, oh, you know, well, would you take this person, which is the person I wanted? And I'm like, yeah, I get, all right, all right, fine, send it through. Because that's fantasy, man. You don't trust anybody. You don't trust anybody. From the, the second that fucking, even before the draft, even before the draft, we have a guy in our league that fucking three weeks after the Super Bowl will send texts and say shit like, man, Next year, this guy's going to be a beast. Now that, you know, that's over and this is like, fuck, he's probably going to get 2,000 yards. And you're like, what? Like, whatever. And But it's he's just trying to Jedi mind fuck you. He's just trying to 
put subtle things in there so that when draft time comes around, you're like, oh, didn't someone say that guy was going to be good this year or something like that? Like, it starts fucking day one. It's constant, 365. Like, never fucking trust. Never trust. If you do, then you deserve whatever you get. Now, commandment number four. Thou shall not commit superflex. Superflex is the dumbest fucking thing to happen in fantasy football. And it goes back to what we talked about with commandment number one, parody. And let me tell you why. Well, let's see. If I happen to be in a league where I've got like seven top 20 running backs and, you know, they could all go yard at any given time, maybe I'd want to play in a running maybe I'd want to play multiple running backs outside of, you know, the two slots that I get. But in general, if your league drafts well and everything's there, like, you're not going to put a running back or a wide receiver, you're sure not going to put a fucking tight end in a super flex position. You're going to put a quarterback. Because quarterbacks are going to get the most points on average. On average. Like, your 10th best quarterback would still be like the number two or the number three fucking running back. Like, it, you're, you're going to use a quarterback. That's why people just call it a two-quarterback league. Yeah, in weird situations, you know, you might end up where all of a sudden you're putting a skill player in there. But in general, you're not. You're, you're putting a second quarterback. And here's the problem with that. Look at the scoring dynamics. Right, so we can go all the way down in standard league PPR, but let, like let's take standard for easy math, right? Your average quarterback on a good day is going to score twenty plus points. On a great day, forty points, but you know twenty plus points. Your average running back is going to score anywhere between ten to fifteen points. On a good day, twenty points. Maybe he could score twenty eight, right? And I'm not talking about like the five touchdown Alvin Kamara games. I'm talking about like normal, average, right? Same thing with your wide receivers. Then you go down to your tight ends. Average three to four points a game. A good one, a Travis Kelsey, you know, something like that. 12 points on a great day. Sure, he'll get you 18, 20 points. Again, on one of those crazy days. I mean, do you want me to bring up kickers in defense? So it's like, so why do we even have it? What is the point of all these other players if all that really matters is if your two quarterbacks can score 60 points? If your two quarterbacks score 60 fucking points, then what does it matter that the rest of your team scored a combined 50 points or whatever it is? Now, again, I'm talking basic scoring, but it all multiplies out with everything else. So the point is, don't do fucking super flex because it fucks with the parity of your league. And all that really matters is that you have two gunslingers ready to go every week. And that's going to be the majority of your points. Now, I'm not saying that you can't play another team who also has two excellent gunslingers and then your tight end ends up having a good day or you're running back and that's how you win. But you're, you're missing the point. If you took away that extra quarterback, if you took away that super flex, the parity in the league would be so much more. Number one, you have less roster spots to go around. So that means 
better competition. Number two, the scoring is less, so that means tighter games, which means more competition, which means better league. Like, for all the reasons we stated before, thou shalt not commit superflex. And that brings me to our next point. Commandment number five, thou shalt not adjust scoring metrics. Now, some people, are, maybe they don't do super flex, but what they do is if your running back has over 100 yards, he gets a 15-point bonus. If he has 150 yards, he gets a 30-point bonus. Some people have, if your quarterback throws for 300 yards, he gets a 10-point bonus. Like, they put all these crazy fucking extra bonuses and shit. And again, it does the opposite of what you think it does. It doesn't make it more fun. Sure, you when your quarterback sits there and gets that milestone and you're like, ah, oh, an extra 10 points. But overall, overall, you're destroying your league. You're destroying your league because some guy went out, all of his team performed Everybody performed well as a whole. All of them got great points for their position, but you had one fucking guy who hit some super bonus or two guys who hit some stupid super bonus. It's it's not the same, man, and it's just it's fucking dumb and it plays again more into that luck thing where instead of one person having two running backs who have say one of them has 50 yards, the other one has 50 yards, and then the other person has a running back who got zero points because they left the game with an injury, but they have one running back who got, say, 90 yards, just for easy math or whatever, but there was a bonus built in there where they got, you know, anything over 75, they got an extra five-point bonus. Like, like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it just, you're fucking with the competition. You're fucking with the parity of the league. And that's always bad for business. It's always bad for the overall entertainment of your league. So don't fuck with the scoring metrics. Little, just, just, just fucking don't. Okay? Number six. And this is a big one for me. And, well, we'll get into it. Commandment number six. Thou shall draft in person. Now, before everyone, but the pandemic, like, okay, I'm not talking about during a global pandemic dipshit. But in general, thou shall draft in person. Okay? Now, there are many reasons why I believe this has to be a strong commandment for your league. Number one, sitting at home on your laptop while everybody is all around the country and in the chat or whatever's going on, like it's just, it's not even the same. It's like, I can't even tell you how that's not the, especially if you've, if you've had a real draft. And I don't mean you went with a bunch of amateurs to some guy's house once and you all sat on your laptops individually and did the exact same thing in the same room. That's not a real draft. Okay. A real draft is maybe you rent out a room at a local bar. Uh, You can still do it at someone's house, uh, but you have like a full draft board. You have all the stickers that go up on the board. You have events and things organized around the draft itself. 
Um, some people may hire entertainment to put the stickers on the board and to be part of the festivities. Um, you know, but that's that's up to your discretion. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do, but that only happens if you draft in person. And then when you draft in person, it builds that camaraderie. It builds that fraternal, just like coming together of everybody who's playing in the league. And so throughout the year, as everybody's talking shit in the group chats and playing against each other, like you, there's, a, there's a bond there, right? So it becomes this thing where every year everybody looks forward to it and like, oh, draft's coming up. Where are we drafting? You know, is someone making food? Are we going here? What are we doing? Um, that's, that, that's huge and it makes the league just a million times better. A million times better. And being able to actually rag on people in person for their shitty draft picks, their mistakes, the things that they did, or the timer ran up on them, or whatever it is, like it's just, it's, if you have a good group of people, it's amazing. So, thou shall draft in person. Commandment number seven. Thou shall treat first and last place accordingly. Now, what does that mean? That means number one, person who comes in first place needs to have a fitting reward for coming in first place. Now, usually a lot of that is monetary, you know, so they either get all of the cash prize or maybe you have a first and a second or a first, second, and third. Um, but they should receive, you know, some some sort of compensation. Maybe it's in the trophy. Some people have like belts, like the wrestling federation, you know, belts. And uh, it's actually like a championship football belt. Those are really, really cool. And they get to wear those. And uh, like, I, I think those are pretty awesome. Um, some people have rings, you know, there's all kinds of things. Some people have just a general trophy that you get to take home. At the end of the year, we have like a Stanley Cup type situation where it's this big awesome trophy that we have that has everybody's name engraved with their team and their year going around the sides and then it just it builds up over time and you continue and you go with it so every person gets to hold it for a year um, at their house until obviously the next person wins but either way first place it has to be worth fighting for it has to be something where people aren't going to get bored halfway through the season and be like What's the prize in this? Like 30 bucks and like a ribbon? Like, I, I don't fucking care. Like, so, first place has to be treated accordingly. And, and this is important, last place needs to be treated just as accordingly. So, last place must have a punishment. Last place has to have a punishment. Now, it can range from, you know, you, uh, you have to put a profile picture up for a week of you holding a sign saying, I suck at fantasy football. It could range to, I mean, I've seen people get tattoos and crazy things. Like, that's that's a little wild for me. Um, but I can tell you what we do in our league and what I know a lot of people do is you come up with the most embarrassing, ridiculous outfit that you can find and the last person's the person who came in last place has to either draft the following year in that outfit or has to go out on a street corner with signs in that outfit and 
get videoed and pictures and everything for the entertainment of the rest of the crowd. So, you know, there has to be a punishment. There has to be a punishment. And there's a reason for that because obviously first place is, is first place and the people who have a shot at the championship are going to keep playing. But you also don't want those people who are probably not going to make the playoffs to just abandon their team and say, fuck it, I'm not going to win, so I don't care. And then those people are playing games against other potential playoff teams who need those wins, and they're not being fully competitive. You have to avoid that. So you need to incentivize not only first place, but last place as well. You need people to not want to be in last place. So you need to come up with punishments that everybody agrees on beforehand, and if you come in last place, this is your fate. So, thou shalt treat first place and last place accordingly. Commandment number eight. Thou shalt not covet ADP. I did not fucking stutter. ADP is a joke. Average draft position, it's a fucking joke. It's a fuck... It's, it's one... I, I don't even... Like, to me, it's like ADP, Madden rankings, and PFF scores. Like, that's the top three. Dumbest fucking things on the planet, right? ADP is so stupid, and let me tell you why. Whenever they do these rankings and they're like, okay, um, you know, Derrick Henry is getting taken first overall or second uh this player has an average adp of second round third pick or 15th pick overall or whatever it is it's it's all nonsense and let me tell you why here's where they get those numbers from they get those numbers from two places okay the drafts that are actually held so as leagues go in and they start to actually do their drafts. But before that, a lot of people haven't even started their drafts. So how are they giving us ADP at the beginning of August? Because people are doing mock drafts. People are doing mock drafts, and then they use those mock drafts to create ADP. Now, what's the problem with mock drafts? Nine times out of ten, when someone goes into a mock draft, they go in to see basically ADP. They, they go in to see, all right, here's my players I want. I'm going to go into a 10-team mock draft, and I'm going to see where these players fly off the board. So you go through and you run it, and then you do it again, and then you do it again, and you do it again. So you ran 10-plus mock drafts, and in every single one, Jalen Hurts wasn't picked till say, the 10th round. So you're like, cool. So I can probably get him in the ninth round. Or you see that, you know, whatever wide receiver you like, CeeDee Lamb, he wasn't picked till the sixth round. So I can probably get him in the fifth, no problem. Right? Now here's here's all the faults that are wrong with that. Number one, you weren't picking the people that you actually would have picked. Sure, if there was a guy like in the first round that you liked, you're like, all right, yeah, I'll take this guy, whatever. But like you weren't putting 
that level of effort into it. You weren't analyzing the rest of your team. You weren't looking at the bye weeks. You weren't looking at everything. So you were just clicking. And you know what the problem is? Is when you go into those live mocks, everybody who's not a computer is doing the exact same fucking thing. And then half the time you're mocking with computers. So it makes no sense to even do a mock draft. Like this, this, that might have to be a commandment for next year is thou shalt not mock, mock draft because I'm, I'm telling you it's, it's, it's up there. But ADP is fucking dumb. And here's another reason it's dumb. When you're doing mock drafts or when you're looking at ADP, the ADP isn't for your league. It's not like you went into the multiverse and your league did 5,000 drafts and here's the average draft position of every player. That's not what ADP is. ADP is all these idiots and computers around the world jumping into mock drafts and then even when they do their actual drafts, leagues that are nothing like yours. Leagues that might have two guys who are smart as fuck, two people who kind of know their stuff, and then six dumbasses. Like, that's who's in that league. And then maybe you have another league that's got 10 elite fantasy football players. Then maybe you have a league where one chick knows everything, this guy knows a little bit, and then everybody else is a dumbass. So it has nothing to do with your league. It has nothing to do with your league. You need to study your opponents. If you're in a dynasty league or if you're in a redraft league that you know goes has been going for several years, you have the data. You can go back and look and you can say, this person always takes three wide receivers in their first four picks. You can look back and say this person never takes a quarterback until at least round 10. You can build a beautiful data profile set that's accurate, that actually helps you. That when you're sitting there on the fence between two players, and maybe there's a quarterback left on the board, and this guy's next, and then you have the wraparound coming back, but you, you know that he doesn't take those positions. Now, is it foolproof? No. But you think ADP is? You think? I mean, it's, it's not even close. It's a joke. ADP has no idea what your league is and doesn't understand anything about the nuances of the individuals inside your draft, how they draft. And it's made up of a bunch of numbers and data sets that are flawed, that are extremely flawed. So thou shalt not covet ADP. Commandment number nine. Commissioner shall honor thy responsibilities. So, as we talked about earlier, when you're a commissioner, the rise and fall of the league ultimately rests on you. You have to ensure that it's fair. You have to ensure that it's fun. You have to ensure that everybody has the opportunity to be competitive. And what does that mean? That means at draft, the day of the draft, the commissioner should be providing anybody who doesn't have it with up-to-date cheat sheets, all kinds of information so that 
if let's say that person's laptop died, let's say, you know, they lost their data, something happened, or they were a last minute substitution or whatever it was, they have the same available information as everybody else and they have a good shot at putting together a great team. That means as a commissioner you're keeping people informed of all the deadlines, of all the rules, of when the draft is, of what needs to happen, what everybody needs to get together, what the fees are, collecting the fees, making sure you stay on top of it. Like it is a very, very big responsibility. So honor those responsibilities. And finally our tenth commandment. Thou shall hold one round playoffs with ten point advantage for the home team. What does that mean? That means, first off, you don't need fucking two-round playoffs. Does the NFL do two-round playoffs? So then why the fuck are you? Well, it's like a best of two. Well, unless there's like a tie and then it's settled by like a score differential. Like, fuck off. It's the playoffs. It's the playoffs. You got to the dance. It's one and done. That's it. That's how we do playoffs. And also... That means that you can carry the league further into the season instead of having to shorten it because, well, there's two-week playoffs, so we got to end like five weeks early so we can incorporate six weeks. Like, it just it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. So another thing that I'm sure you're thinking is, well, I get it. It's the playoffs, one and done. Sure, that makes sense. But what if, you know, some guy in my league squeaked in at six and five or whatever it was to get into the playoffs and I was undefeated I was like 11 and 0 like why should I have to play him on an even playing field and I hear you that's a great point so first of all the way our league is set up is the top two teams have a bye week so they don't have to play the first week so you're already getting rewarded there Beyond that, whoever is the highest seed has a 10-point home field advantage. And this is actually like, you can put this into the settings. And don't come at me like I'm being a hypocrite. This isn't bonus scoring. This isn't, this isn't you know, any type of fucking with the algorithm for how points are scored. This is a playoff 10-field home point advantage, which doesn't hold for the Super Bowl for the championship. This is only during all the rounds, however many you have in the playoffs, which it shouldn't be that many. but So you get a 10-point home field advantage. So if you feel, all right, well, my team was, was better, I was higher seeded in the playoffs, okay, well, then at least you're getting something for it. And if you're like, well, 10 points is like nothing, though. Like my league, you know, we have games that are like 457 to 183. Well, then you're in the wrong fucking league and you didn't listen to any of my commandments. Like you're doing dumb shit. And that that shouldn't happen. I mean, I don't I'm sure it's happened, but I can't even remember a time where someone in our league hit 200 points in a game. Like again, I'm sure it happened, but like an amazing day for someone is like 150, 160. I mean, that's where somebody got five touchdowns and somebody else you know, just rewrote the record books like it'd have to be something crazy. But a typical game is more like 98 to 78. Like, 
83 to 91 like or 88 to 87 like it's somewhere in there maybe 120 to 117 like it's it's very competitive um so those 10 points can make a difference but also not enough of a difference that it's a huge slam dunk in one way or the other and actually in our league we've studied it and we've looked at the statistics and i think there's only been maybe a couple examples in all the years where it ended up being you know really really swayed um, towards the home team's favor but one round playoffs 10 point advantage for the home team you'll thank me later i promise you now that we've discussed the commandments i asked you guys for your wild fantasy stories and all kinds of things that are happening in your league. I got a few submissions, and uh, there's one that I'm going to read. Longtime listener Dustin sent us this one. So this is the story he sent us about his fantasy league. He says, quote, All right, so I'm in a 16-man Superflex PPR league. You guys already know what my thoughts are. That's been going on for 15 years. Our league motto is ODD, one damn day, plan accordingly. This is a story of punishment due to not planning accordingly. We set the draft day weeks in advance so all 16 guys have ample time to plan accordingly. Normally the end of August, one member, we will call him Brian, had his wife booking a camping site for a weekend getaway. And yes, she was booking it on ODD which, as you would think, was met with lots of what the fucks. What is wrong with you and a league vote for sanctions to be placed against Brian? I'm loving this story so far. It it feels very UN Council to me. I love the sanctions. After lots of name-calling and sarcastic Facebook group posts, the punishment was laid out as follows. Number one, Brian was blocked from using the waiver wire for the first half of the season. Okay? Number two, Brian was not allowed to make trades the first half of the season. Number three, he was only allowed to start one quarterback for the entire year in a super flex OP slot. Number four, had to show up the following year and make his first round pick in a dress. Sanctions were agreed upon and followed by Brian, even though he said it was ridiculous and complained endlessly and will for years to come. To make matters even more funny, two members missed the following draft due to COVID quarantine, but drafted via webcam. Brian inquired as to if they would be punished and received a collective no. End quote. So, a lot of thoughts, Dustin. I love the dedication to ODD, um, and I may actually have to steal that Although our draft has morphed into a three-day boys weekend, so it would have to be TDD for us. Um, I do love the punishment for the most part. I think that number three, only allowing one quarterback in a super flex all year, that's a bit much. I mean, at that point, he's not going to win, so what's the point of even having him there? It is a great reminder, though, to honor the league or suffer the consequences. Definitely a tough commissioner in that league. Um... Now, outside of the Ten Commandments, there are some things that aren't commandments, as I mentioned, but 
maybe next year we'll have to maybe maybe we'll put it to a vote next year and we'll adjust a little bit but um, there are some things that be more like guidelines than actual rules and here they are so first up switch up your divisions you need to switch up your divisions every year it's it's good for a lot of reasons um, in most leagues you play the people in your division twice kind of like the NFL and then you have other random games so if you're constantly playing the same people all the time that can get boring and if your league becomes lopsided then that also can mess with parity so for example what we do is every year at the end of the season we take first third fifth and seventh place and we put them in a division then we take 2nd, 4th, 6th, and 8th, and we put them in a division. So sometimes, some years, based on where you fall, you might end up in the same division as someone who shared your division last year. But overall, it's keeping the talent very scattered around to make sure that there's not one division with a bunch of guys who are badass and a bunch of people who suck, you know, which our league is all badass guys. Like, everybody's awesome, so... But it's just one of those little things. So switch up the divisions. Another one, make sure people have a monetary investment. We talked about first place and, you know, being treated accordingly. But even overall, you know, if your league is like a $5 buy-in and you have 10 guys in it and it's a $50 purse, but there's one guy way out in front and then the other people are like, what did I risk? What did I put in? $5? Like, eh. It has to be something worth losing and worth winning. Like that dichotomy is important because you got to give somebody something to play for and a reason to adjust their rosters and not forget about bye weeks and not. It's very, very important as a commissioner that you make sure that people are active and engaged in your league. And that is probably the toughest assignment of a commissioner is feeling like the person who's always got to kind of corral everybody and get them engaged and you know stay dedicated to the league um, but hopefully if you do a good enough job it should kind of happen organically but you need to have skin in the game so whatever you know I'm not here to judge anybody's financial portfolio but whatever amount of money is significant enough to the eight ten people that you have in your league that should be an amount that people put in, whether it's 50 bucks, 100 bucks. If everybody's doing really well for themselves, then maybe 500 or 1,000. Like it's, I don't know. I don't know your situation. But it needs to be where I'm not just going to tune out and just not, not really care. And again, that's where that last place situation comes in. Another fringe commandment is respect the commissioner's decisions or feel free to find other leagues. Like, the commission's spoken. If your commissioner sucks, well, then don't be in their fucking league. Go find go find somebody else's league. Like, you, or go start your own. Be your own commissioner. If you think you can do it better, then go fucking do it better. I have friends that are in, like, 17 leagues every year, and I'm like, that's, that, that's too much. Because I, I, can't, I can't half-ass anything, and I can't dedicate myself, you know, seriously to that. But people love the... The excitement of it but what happens is you inevitably always end up having guys in one league that can help your team if they score and they play well 
but you're playing against those same guys in another league. So it's kind of like, yay, oh shit. Like, it's, it's, it's too much. But having said that, respect the commissioner, respect the responsibilities, and understand that it's a very tough job. And if it's done well, just whatever the commissioner decides, they probably weighed it out, looked at all the different sides, and they did what they thought was best for the league. And again, if you don't like it, hit the pavement. Next one, plan in advance. I see so many people either three days before the season starts or even going into week two who say, hey guys, I'm putting a league together. Uh, it's like a $20 buy-in. If anybody wants in, like let's jump in, you know, whatever. And it's like, nah, we'll catch you next season. Like you fucked up. Like... It took you till the second week of the season to realize that you don't have any friends? Like, come on, you you, you got to be prepared. You got to be better than this. So have a plan. And once you get a league established, make sure everybody knows months in advance, hey, guys, this will be the buy-in this year. This is the location for the draft. This is some new rules that we're thinking about putting in place what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about the draft location? Like, get it together, get a plan, have everything planned out in advance. The next one, which I shouldn't even have to say, but don't draft until late August. You should be drafting, if you do it perfectly, you should be drafting after the last preseason game. But due to schedules and all kinds of different things, like a lot of people usually do Labor Day weekend. Um, but sometimes that may not work for everybody. It just kind of depends, but you should not be drafting in June or July or even the first week of August, because again, look at the, we talk about the preseason injuries, the off season injuries. I mean, last year, look at the Baltimore Ravens, their whole running back room, like down before anything could get off the ground. Done. Cam Akers done. Like. These are important things, and in, in a league that you need to have healthy, why would you want to draft somebody that's done for the year? You wouldn't. Now, granted, can it still happen week one or week two? Sure. But statistically, you're lowering your odds. It's still a possibility, but you want to give everybody the best chance to succeed. Again, that's what it's all about. My last and final piece of advice do not ask if you can bring your significant other to draft day. Because you put everybody in an awkward position, right? Because either they have to say, ah, oh, no, don't bring your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or whatever, like, you know, which they don't want to say because that seems mean, right? You'd hope your friends would want you. But maybe your friends are escaping their significant other for a day. And so they want to just be among their friends and just talk football and talk shit and they don't want to have to worry about oh wait is his wife friends with my wife and now she's going to run back and tell this story and say I was drunk or you know whatever like just you know is it, you put people in an awkward situation and you know especially then if if you're allowed to bring your wife then we all have to tell our wives that they're allowed to come because if one person's wife come and like, oh, 
how come, how come I wasn't, uh, oh, I, I hear Betsy's going, Betsy's going, I'm not allowed to go, like, no, man, you, you can come, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know she was coming, I, I, I mean, I don't have these, these problems, but I know a lot of people do, and I sympathize with them, so don't do that shit, unless it's pre-discussed, listen, this is gonna be a, a, big weekend everybody's bringing their families we'll have our separate draft lobby thing where it'll be just us but other than that everybody can bring their family and everybody can do whatever like if it's discussed and it's out there then fine but don't just like rando last minute or worse just show up just show up and then there's an extra person just kind of sitting there hanging out in the group it's not a good look so don't do it but I want to know your rules. I want to know your commandments, your punishments, etc. What should we add to our list for next year? Hit us up on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod. Let us know how we did. And if you somehow stomach the first 10, 15 minutes of, of the boring part of the podcast to get to what I hope was entertaining, then thank you. Um, share the podcast with your friends. Tell them the first 15 minutes he was kind of off. I don't know. He stubbed his toe. Wasn't fucking drunk enough. But it, it gets better. And, you know, let them know we have good content. Most of our best content, in addition to the pod, is actually everything we do on Twitter. We talk a lot of shit. We post a lot of really good stats, a lot of good information, especially during season. And we get into all the betting lines and all that fun stuff. So I will catch you in the Twitter streets. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. You know how much I love you guys. Y'all make sure to make it an excellent fucking week, and I will catch you next week. Peace!